0: charleston mississippi has got to get over
1: the racism there's some hard-headed people in this town i'm not just saying whites or blacks i'm saying a little bit of both my first reaction to her was like she's white my parents gonna freak out
0: i can't get a job in some places in town because i have black friends why are you still going back to this same attitude that you had
1: 50 years ago
0: i guess you would consider me a redneck i don't change for nobody these are shackles these are still chains we have around our souls. One of the things that surprised me most was the fact that they have separate proms. One white, one black. How stupid can that be? The white parents wanted us to go to the white prom this year. Why act like that? I mean, they were our
1: prom. So I have this proposal. You don't want to have a prom instead of two or three? I'll pay for it. Deal?
0: What's our limit? What's your limit? $200. (laughs) When there's a chance for you to make a change, why not take it? Our town is changing a little part of the world right now. Why would you want to have a prong separate?
1: They stupid. I don't see what everybody's problem is. It's supposed to be equal. I think we might have a little problem. I just
0: learned to love people for who they are and not for the color of their skin.
1: If it's left up to the kids, it's going to
0: be
2: fine. I want y'all to understand. Y'all
0: making history. How are you? Good morning, how are you? All right, would you stand and sing with us, please? Sing these words. to face it thing in your presence, all of these I should away, they'll wash away. We'll wash away.
1: so many ways to, to pray, isn't there? Uh, we can sing, we can talk to God as we would a friend, and we're invited to do that just as we would our best friend. Scripture says sometimes we don't really know what to pray, so our, the deepest longings in our soul are finding their way to God. Sometimes it's just the hungers in our heart that pray for us, and we pray in silence Sometimes we borrow the words of others. We certainly do that as we pray the scriptures, as we read psalms in particular, or as we use prayers from the church or other Christians. Sometimes doing that helps you sort of free your head so that your heart can be present to what you're trying to say to God. I want to invite us to do that this morning with a prayer from a woman by the name of Macrina Whitaker, who's a Benedictine. She has spent her life in a monastery And we'll use her invocation this morning. Would you pray with me? The fresh beginnings of this day embrace us as we stop for this mid-morning pause. Bless the work that awaits us. Anoint our hands, hearts, and minds as we joyfully enter into the heart of this day. Make our spirits lucid Attentive and open to all that can be. Breathe on us and strengthen us for our pilgrimage throughout the day. Come into our potential with your wind and your flame. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I want you to to join me as we also read together this morning from the Psalms. I'll read the first part, as we often do, and you'll join me about halfway through the psalm. It's from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Together. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the desert. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying their harvest.
0: Would you stand back up with us and sing again, please? for the poor shelter from the storm this is our God Is oh, 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 oh. This is our God. Oh, this is our to
2: It says that that Christianity is simply a religion of belief. That it's really just about knowing the right stuff, and it's about believing the right things about Jesus, about God, about heaven, about, about sin, about ourselves. It's about mentally agreeing to that which has been deemed orthodox by the people that we think get to tell us those kinds of things. You know we read the books, we listen to the sermons, we uh, sing the songs, we go to the certain church because you know we want to know what's right, what I should believe. And this myth, this myth, it says that it's it's really about getting it right, about believing what's correct, about thinking things correctly, and we spend a whole lot of time in fact, arguing about who arguing about who is right and who is wrong and We draw lines in the sand, and we decide who's in or who's out. Uh, We focus a lot of our attention on the cognitive, on the mind, on the thinking of things, and on getting things right, like I said. And we declare our allegiances to a particular set of propositions. And it all becomes pretty divisive in the end, right? Because if being right is the standard, then there's a whole lot at stake. But I want to say to you this morning that there is a different kind of knowing that's possible. A different path that can be taken. A different way of seeing things. It moves beyond mere cognitive assertion and this propositional thinking that we're so used to. It's the sort of knowing that goes beyond the mind, it transcends the intellect. moves beyond our desire to be a master of ideas and to take control of our belief. This knowledge, it's direct, it's sensational, it's experiential. For example, we understand what wind is by feeling it blow in our face. We know what snow is like when we make a snowball, or build a snowman, or we watch snowflakes collect on our gloves. And we could probably all agree that the best way to experience the rain is to just go outside during a downpour and run around in it, as the water comes down our face and it drenches us and makes our clothes all soggy and wet, and we feel the coldness of it. We know other things in the same manner, right? sadness, joy to grief, confusion, doubt, happiness. And we know these things not from some textbook definition or we're reading some book like that or sitting through a lecture. We don't know these kinds of things through that. We know them by experience. Something very direct. Something that reaches deep into our souls, where our gut is, where our affections and our desires reside. It's beyond the mind. It's it's outside of the head. It goes above and beyond the intellect. It's deeper than that. I want you to hear this morning that you ought not give in to the myth that says that you are defined by what you believe. I want you to walk away this morning hear this, and know this, and experience this, that what defines you is how you believe. What defines you is how you live, how you practice, how you believe in this Jesus, and how it affects the entirety of yourself, and how you live in this world. That is what defines you. Not some set of ideas. So this morning I want to invite you into an ancient practice called Lectio Divina. Also divine reading or devotional reading. Uh, This kind of reading, it invites us into this kind of knowing that I've been talking about here for a moment. It's the kind of knowing for which Paul prays in Ephesians when he says this. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God love that surpasses all knowledge. It's beyond the mind, it transcends the intellect. You see, because the, the first 1,500 years of church history was characterized by this practice of Lectio Divina, because, you know, not many people could read back then. It wasn't a common thing for people to be literate. And then the the few people who could actually read, well, they didn't own books. They didn't have a Bible at home. They didn't have their own personal Bible to carry around. And so they were dependent upon the reading of the Scriptures when they came together. And so they would come together and they would attend to the Scriptures in this way. With the heart bent towards hearing from God. So Lectio Divina is not an exercise in mentally critiquing or exegeting the text, which we are really good at. This practice exists to further our companionship with the divine as it invites each of us to participate in the presence of God and receive a word from God, to receive a word from God that can be bred for our souls. It's rooted in the assurance that every part of the biblical story, the letters, the parables, the gospels, the prophets, the historical narrative, that it is all inspired and that it all can give voice to what God wants to say to each of us. So this morning, let us join together in this practice and let's begin by deliberately quieting ourselves and gathering ourselves and placing ourselves in the presence of God. Because you see, we're a naturally scattered people. We are tugged in every direction. So you'll need to take a moment to quiet yourselves, to offer yourself to God. As I read this passage from the prophet Isaiah, slowly allow the words to resonate and settle into your heart. Linger on any word or phrase that catches your attention or lights up to you. Hear these words from the prophet Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse army and warrior, they lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the old things, because I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, for I give water in the desert, I give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. And now as I read the passage again, listen to where it connects with your life right now in this moment. How does it speak to the deepest parts of your soul yourself, listen, listen to these words, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Don't remember the former things or consider the old things. Because I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, for I give water in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. See, sometimes I fear that we think in terms of how we might master a text. When we instead ought to let the scriptures master us. So as I read this passage one last time, focus. Don't be distracted by the people coming on the stage. But listen. And consider how God has addressed you in this word and invited you to respond. What might you take with you throughout the rest of your day to class, to the intramural field, to meetings, to your residence halls? Allow the Scripture to lead you into a response of prayer. And as you respond to God's invitation to you, rest in His loving presence. Words from the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they can't rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Don't remember the former things or consider the old things. Because I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? For I will make a way in the wilderness, for I give water in the desert. To give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself. So that they might declare
0: in the sky and you know them by
2: continue on our journey through Lent and our journey towards the cross and then to the resurrection at Easter, as we make our way to God's making a way when there was no way, as we make our way to God's making all things new, go in peace.